If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. We have a really interesting、uh, speaker、uh, up right now, somebody who is actively engaged in the business of combining a very、uh, traditional, important、uh, industry and product, the automobile, with The kind of technology that many of you are engaged in. So I'm thrilled to introduce Mary Barra, the CEO of GM. Mary? See? Well, thanks for coming. Sure, thanks for having me. Because I know you have a lot of time on your hands and not very busy.、Um, I guess I would start by asking you, you know,、uh, Jeff Williams from Apple said, well, the car is the ultimate mobile device. Sort of, it is mobile, it's a device, so, you know, but he meant, you know, mobile tech device. Do you think the car is evolving into being a mobile tech device? Oh, absolutely. Consumer tech device? Absolutely.、Uh, you know, I think in the transportation industry, especially personal transportation, I'm, I'm on record as saying we'll see more change in the next five to ten years than we've seen in the last 50. When you look, even just go back to a car five years ago, that if you bought、uh, you know, now the amount of connectivity, the electronic controls in the vehicle, the safety features、uh, you know, that are sensing and detecting, it's, it's on every facet. And yet, I think there were a couple of big problems. I mean, I, I've been writing about. What I would now look back on and say very small advances in、uh, consumer technology、uh, in the car. I once wrote a column where I pointed out that when you were in your house or in your office or anywhere but in your car, you were in the, the, the present, you had your smartphone, you had your you know, tablet or whatever you had, watch now. And When you open the door of your car, you might as well be stepping back to 1957. And I wrote that you know, five or six years ago.、Um, one of the problems that I've been led to understand is, has been a problem is your industry develops products on a much slower time frame than a lot of the industries represented in this room, than the tech industry does. They want to iterate you know, a, a new version of the software. Every couple of months, a new phone every year, 
uh, a new, you know, and, and there are, people are pushing you to do even more and more of that. How do you ever reconcile your development cycle with the, with the development cycle of the tech industry? Well, I think you do have to find the way that you have the right connect points because there's a part of the vehicle, uh, when you look at the integration of the vehicle between uh, you know, all aspects, aspects of driving, it's huge to do that safely and to have all the technology coming together from braking to chassis systems, uh, you know, incredible technology. But you have to be able to marry that with uh, new technology that, you know, is getting refreshed in months, not years. And, you know, that, that's what we're doing uh, and finding that and doing it safely, doing it in a way that people aren't distracted and uh, that the, you don't create cyber risk. So how do you do it? Well, I, I think. I mean, you, I, I yeah. think. I, let, let me just preface yeah. this by saying it seems to me that some of the car companies, essentially, a few years ago, set out to kind of completely replicate what Google was doing in Android or what Apple was doing on on iOS and build their own systems with their own voice command and their own touch screens and their own user interfaces, and they built these labs and team. I don't know if GM did it, but. I know that some did it. I went and visited them and saw the labs and the teams, and I reviewed some of the products. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that really wasn't their core competency. Uh, how about now? Is there a better way to do it to, to, to match up the two things? Well, I, I think, first of all, you have to look at the, 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 the core of the car, the core uh, architecture of the car from, a, from an arc, uh, electronics perspective. And you have to understand and, and really create that in a way that it can accept new technology. But then I also think you've got to go partner with people who know how to do it well, who are experts at doing uh, you know, human-machine interface or bringing the latest technologies. At General Motors, we have a, our own venture fund where we're constantly looking at technologies to bring into the vehicle with startup firms. We work with universities. I was just at Stanford about three weeks ago meeting with a group of PH, PhD students working on uh, some uh, you know, new development in autonomous. So I mean, I think you know, the successful car company is going to be the one that can look at the great idea no matter where it comes from. To think that one car company is going to control it and have all the best ideas is, is just not the future. I mean, it's not, it's not the future here. It's not the future in any industry. You have to be able to adapt and integrate. So how are you adapting and integrating, let's just say, inside the cabin for the, for the driver, front seat passenger? What, what is it you're doing? I understand you have something. Right. We, we are uh, announcing today that uh, we're uh, going to be, across our Chevrolet, have 14 different models in the Chevrolet brand that will uh, enable either Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. And, you know, when we look at that, we, we are putting it across the portfolio of Chevrolet as quickly as we can uh, because we want to make that technology available to everyone. I mean, most people, I, I always tell, you know, when I talk to our team, uh, whether you're in, in a developed market or emerging markets, people are going to have a smartphone or they're going to have a phone before they, they have a car or they're going to want to bring that experience into the car. And the more we can do to add value for a customer to make their life simpler, to make the technology uh, compatible, and to do it in a way that doesn't cause distraction, uh, I think we have a, a promising uh, you know, uh, add to the customer and they're going to want it. Are you going to charge for this? Uh, when I go to the dealer, are they going to say, well, that only comes with the package that gets me, 
you know, a heater and a mirror or something, you know? Uh, you know, there, it is going to be, because it's going to be coupled with a radio uh, or a display, if you, you know, we have at Chevrolet MyLink, and it's going to have to be coupled with that, so there's different levels of that. I don't think you're going to be forced to go to the highest, you know, uh, level of the vehicle to get it, because we recognize a lot of people, that's one of the first things they want, and it's about affordability as well. So it will be uh, available with a wide variety of options. So 14 Chevy models. Mm -hmm. What about Buick and Cadillac and I well, mean, you know, we'll be announcing. So it's it's. Uh, I'm ahead of myself here, but we'll be making announcements in Opal tomorrow, and uh, we'll have more following very shortly. We're again, we want to look and and we think the technology really is a uh, something the customer is going to value. So we want to put it on the portfolio um, as as quickly as we can appropriately. And we're talking about like this year. Like this year, like for, for I'll just talk for for Chevrolet. The 14 models, they're all um, uh, model 16 year, which means they come out mid 15 year. Uh, later in June, we're going to be announcing the all new uh, Chevrolet Cruze. It will be enabled for the technology. Is the Cruze the first one? Um, it, it's the first all new, but it'll be on several, and the Cruze will come out a little bit later. So 16 model years, it could even be sooner than that. So in like what the end, by the end of the, the year. end of June, the end, the end of, of July, yeah. this will start. Yeah, by the well, by the end of the year, you'll start to see the sixteen models come out and have right. Yeah, but the first, but okay, so yeah. all through this year. Yeah. Now, why is that a big deal? If I go to the website of uh, CarPlay, for which is Apple's uh, technology for this, or uh, Android Drive, they list thirty. They list every car company you can think of. Well, I think one of the things... But, I mean, yeah. are you... I think we're going faster across the whole portfolio because once we get the technology working with the plug-and-play capability, um, we're not dabbling with it. We're committed. Okay, so explain how it will... will first of all, first of all, you're not picking a winner. Here. You're not picking mm -hmm. Apple or Google's platform. You're going to do both. Correct. So... And secondly, are you doing them in your most expensive cars? Are you doing them, I mean, these 14 Chevy cars and then the unknown number you haven't stated of mm -hmm. your other ones, are they going to be well, sort of luxury cars? or? Well, just first of all, Chevrolet is, a, a, uh, is, our, is our largest brand. It's a brand that really, um, you know, we, we put to add value to the customer, but it's, a, it's an affordable, we want to wow and delight the customer, but also affordability is a big piece of, of our Chevrolet customers uh, as they make decisions. And uh, as we move forward and complete the rollout, we'll have over 50% of the of the Chevrolet volume enabled uh, for the technology to hook either your, either you know through Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. And so, how cheap a car could you envision that would have this capability? How low end? Uh, I mean, there's a kind of a there's a for those who haven't seen it, there is a little there's a spark uh, Chevy Spark. Right. So it'll be in the teens. It'll it'll start in the teens. Yes. Mm -hmm. so you want you want it to buy a Cadillac to no. get this. If you'd like to buy a Cadillac, we'd be more than happy to help you do that. You would, but yeah. yeah. Uh, you talk about safety and and not being distracted. Obviously, there are challenges to using. We all know there are challenges, legal challenges, safety challenges, uh, even just practicality challenges to using your phone in, in the car in its mm -hmm. in its original form factor. And what these both of these things do is they project a subset of the apps on your phone right. with big icons and the mm -hmm. built-in mm -hmm. voice control, the Google voice control 
a Apple, Siri, whatever. Uh, as, and so you get this subset of the apps with very large icons and you get voice. Are you satisfied that, that they, because they're not car companies yet, at least, they're both probably going to be car companies, but um, are you satisfied that they know enough about not distracting the driver? Well, we've worked closely with them. And I, I have to say, compliment both companies. I met uh, with the senior teams last week. Uh, you know, they value uh, not distracting the driver just as much as we do. And so as we've shared our learnings, it's been incorporated into the systems. Uh, you know, the, the simplicity of having voice control, the size, even the font that you look at. Uh, and then also, how many layers deep are you to get the key things we think people want? There's been a lot of testing that's gone on. So, you know, I think it's been a partnership of working together with the aim of creating a system where the driver is not distracted. And if I, I, had a, I had a brief demo from, from a couple of your folks the other day in that, in that Spark, and it looked to me like I just plugged my own phone in just to see what, ha what would happen, and it just it pulled up essentially four things. It pulled up uh, music, navigation. Uh, messaging. Huh? Messaging. Messaging. And phone. And, and, and of course, phone. Um, it, it did not pull up you know, let's write an email or something like that. It, it, you know, it, there, there was text messaging mm -hmm. that you had to dictate. Right. And it wouldn't, if one came in, it would, it would sort of read it to you, but it wouldn't let you read it on the screen. So it, it was adapting the environment for the car. Are you sure that that will be enough or will someone still pull, pull out her phone to, I don't know, check their, something else. Uh, you know, I, I am sure somebody will uh, do something else on their phone, but I think, you know, when we look and the statistics say, uh, you know, texting while driving, when you look at what causes accidents, first, the number one thing is people not being belted. And this is in the United States. There was over 32,000 deaths last year, uh, fatalities uh, while driving. Um, the largest Pareto bar in the chart is people being unbelted. The second is uh, uh, driving under the influence, but texting is creeping up there pretty fast or, or being distracted by their mobile device. So, uh, you know, what we want to do at General Motors is make sure we're putting the very best systems in place and we're providing enough of what people feel they need to do while they're driving. We can't stop them from, I mean, there's people who put on their makeup. I've, I actually not recently was driving along someone and they were reading a book. I mean, there's just some things you shouldn't be doing while you're driving. Um, but, you know, we're trying to put... That damn paper. You know, <laughs> it was a paper book. It wasn't a Kindle. Books. But, but uh, no, but I mean, I think there is a responsibility of the individual. We're trying to make the things that, you know, they may be pulled to do while they're driving and do it in the most intuitive, least distractive way. I mean, uh, you know, the best thing to do is just to drive. I mean, there's even research, um, it's not our research, I think it's been done by the government, that says even when you're hands-free on a phone, your mind is, is distracted. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we also recognize we have to be realistic about what people are going to do. We're trying to put the core set of functions that will, um, and done in the right way, so people are the least distracted. So talking about distracted, you, you, you've been in your job how long now? A little over a year. And you've spent much of that time dealing with this ignition mm -hmm. uh, crisis, which I guess is not entirely over yet, at least on the legal fallout of it, right? I mean, there's Still some, some speculation issues. recently about 
it, it may be going to a, into a, some kind of criminal phase. Uh, does that cause people to think GM is actually not responsible about safety? When you move, you know, you move to this thing, you're going to be, I gather, the first big, the first car company to deploy this in a significant way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have the goal of not distracting you, but it, like you said, the best thing is not to do anything but drive. So there's a little distraction there, and it's being done by a company which is coming off this uh, uh, whole. Uh, scandal about not fixing a, a, a safety problem. How, how do you reconcile that? Well, um, you know, clearly um, the, the the issues that we dealt with with the ignition switch were tragic. And when we learned what had happened, we took steps as quickly as possible to be transparent, do the right thing for the customer. And frankly, it's uh, caused us to really commit to being the safest automaker. And we've made tremendous change across even the way we develop vehicles, validate vehicles. Uh, We've benchmarked outside the industry uh, from military to uh, airline, uh, you know, planes to the nuclear Navy, just to, to put a different mindset in the way we develop vehicles with the focus on safety uh, across. And, and so our goal is very clearly to do that. We take you know, a number of steps. Uh, so I think as the feedback that I receive is you know, recognize we had an issue, we've been very transparent, focused on the customer, and we're committing to safety, and we're, we're demonstrating actions with words. Are you, words saying, with are you saying that today, yeah, are you saying that today you are the safest car company, or is your goal to be the safest car? We're on a journey to do that, but I will tell you, we already have, uh, you know, tremendous safety, uh, you know, systems in our vehicles. Uh, we have, uh, you know, I think a high number of vehicles. I can't say it's the most, but are, you know, crap from a IHSS, I. IHS crash rating of the highest rating, uh, the safety features we're putting on vehicles, whether it's lane detection or uh, forward collision alert or even automotive braking, uh, rear cameras, et cetera. Uh, we have a lot of technology on the vehicle that is is uh, really aimed at safety leadership. Uh, you know, there's one no one clear standard to say who's the safest. I can tell you uh, we, we're intending to be so it's undisputable, but right now we're on that journey there's many comp- uh, capable OEMs as well that have different features as well. You mentioned a number of these these relatively newer features: collision detection, lane. Uh, what do you call it? Lane. Uh, lane detection. Lane so, detection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know in my car, which is not a GM car, I have a feature that where there, there's a light that goes on in the outside mirrors that tells me if somebody's in my blind spot. Right. Which I find amazingly, I mean, it's like, why didn't somebody think of this 20 years ago? It's a light, you know, I mean, it's, uh, and it has some kind of de- sensor. sensor, and it just says, this is, wouldn't be a good time to pass or to change lanes because there's somebody you can't see. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't, now, you know, despite my new reputation as not a good driver, I try not to change lanes when the light's on, you know. Um, but those things have tended to be packaged up by you guys, not just GM, but all of, the, all of you, and sold, as you were talking about before, as packages. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to be safe on the road? We've got 16 electronic things that'll make you safer. And they come in this package, which will cost you $2,230 more when you're buying the car. Mm-hmm. Do you, 
Talk about that. Why do you charge extra for things that are basically safety related, well, I, like the camera in the back of the car or whatever? I would say, first off, as we put technology and, and what we look at across driving, you know, one of the questions you asked me earlier is, you know, how, how inexpensively can we get the, the, the connection to the phone? So we have to look at affordability issues and we have to understand what the customer is going to value um, as they look at the, at, at the vehicle. There's a lot of safety features, uh, you know, the amount of standard airbags and, and, you know, for instance, in the new Corvette or Camaro we just rolled out has a standard rear camera. Uh, so we're looking at as much as we can, but we're also always managing that affordability issue because some of the technology um, is, is fairly uh, expensive that we can put on vehicles. I mean, if you look at right now, the, the technology exists to do a self-driving vehicle. There's a whole lot of infrastructure that has to be done around it uh, to really make it work, uh, but, and, and frankly, a lot of other systems to support it that need to change. But it's looking at what technology do we put on that people are going to value uh, if it makes sense to make it standard, because that's across, that's what we'll do. In other cases, it is option packages. Well, give me an example of one that you're going to make standard. Well, the, on the Camaro, the rear, the yeah, rear backup let, camera. Give me an example of something you're just going to say. If we're going to build a car, it's going to have the 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 blind spot detector on it. It just is. You know, and you know the cost of goods on that. Right. I don't. Right. But I, I think let's you know, just pretend it's. Seven dollars and ninety-five cents, or seventeen dollars and ninety. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the, you have a lot of scale. You have a lot of volume. The, we, but we also we understand that the price of things go down when they're bought in volume. Right. Right. So you have to order the mirror with the little light, and you have to mm -hmm. order the sensor and the wiring, and there's a certain mm -hmm. amount of reliability testing that has to be done. But when you, you just covered a whole lot that drives. I understand, yeah. but right. but you also the car is an expensive item, and you right. have a lot of scale. Mm -hmm. Why won't you commit to one, two, three safety features that you'll just put in everything? Because again, I think we're, first of all, there there, there are a lot of safety features that are on on every vehicle already, like uh, you know anti lock brakes and traction control, and you know the the technology that is in belts. Uh, there's there's a tremendous amount of technology. Well, but belts. I mean, it, we, it wasn't I said you. The technology in belts. The technology, yeah. but I mean seat belts. The industry fought for for year, years. This is before a lot of well, people here were. Born. And my time as well. Yeah, I understand, but but, but I think I think what you you have to look at, especially for a company like General Motors, where we operate in you know over a hundred countries around the world, you know going into a developing market and what they're what they're expecting and what they can afford. Versus, All right, I'll modify yeah. my question. Will you make some subset of these safety features? that are based on technology available in markets that can afford it on all your cars in, well, and even in just, let's say, the United States. And while I would say we already do, we already do, for me to sit here and say I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, um, you know, I, I'd rather let the, the people who are looking at each model and saying what the customer really values and are, uh, uh, do that. Uh, but I would tell you there's technology, as I mentioned before, on uh, where we already have running in fleets interlocks where the car won't operate or you can't start the car without the belt being on because, and we're testing that in fleets so we're ready to go. Remember that happened many years ago as well and the, as that tech safety technology was put on the vehicle and albeit it probably wasn't implemented as, as well as it should have been, you know, the, the outcry from customers was, I don't want this. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we're piloting a lot of technologies. We're ready to lead and put it on, but it's a, it's a complicated uh, set of equations you have to look at to make the right decision that the customer is really going to value. 
are we really going to have completely self-driving cars, completely autonomous uh, of the type that Google is showing? Uh, I think we're going to have, uh, you know, actually autonomous is a word that scares a lot of people. When you really, when you go and talk to customers, when you talk about autonomous driving cars, that, that's something that they're not too excited about. When you talk about intelligent driving systems, for instance, next year uh, we'll be putting a vehicle out uh, with Super Cruise where you can take your hands off the wheel, feet off the pedals, both at speed and at stop and go in certain circumstances, and the car will drive for you. I've driven that car. It's eerie. You know, for a person who's been driving for years and years and years. But, but I do think it's coming. Um, I, I do think, again, there's a lot that has to come together. Uh, there'll be different technologies uh, and development in technologies as we go forward, but I absolutely see it. By when? Uh, you know, I think it's more, uh, it's, it's in the, it, it'll be a journey because it's going to be, you know, there's legal things that have to change, there's regulatory things that have to change, there's consumer learning that has to go on, and then frankly there's, to your point, scale as we put it on the vehicle. Um, but, you know, I think we'll see great advances in five years, ten years. You know, when you look at the car park out in the street right now, I mean, to have full autonomous where no one's ever driving, you've got to address the existing car park. And, you know, set aside, you know, old car collectibles, we have people still driving cars that were built in the 70s, 80s, yes. 90s. So, you know, it's going it, to get the whole car park, you know, one of the key things, and we'll, we're putting the leading and putting this on vehicles the next year. The car park? All the cars that are out there. Today. Oh, I see. We call it the car park. Okay. Um, but, you know, we're putting I on... thought it was the lot out there, but... Okay. <laughs> no. So, uh, but, you know, having the cars be able to communicate with each other and communicate to infrastructures, you know, V to I, V to vehicle, vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to infrastructure, that technology we're putting on one of the first vehicles next year. But, when you, again, when you think broadly about changing the way we all think about driving, um, that's something that there's many okay. aspects. But you, you kind of brushed this aside at the beginning, and then you talked very nicely, very intelligently about uh, all this autonomous stuff. I'm talking about specifically the Google thing, where mm -hmm. there's just there's no pedals, there's no wheel, it's there's no steering wheel. It's just there's a button where you can, I guess, emergency stop it, and that's it. Right. And you can sit and text all you want. You don't need, you know, Android Auto. God forbid, in their mind, I guess, at CarPlay, you don't need either of those things mm -hmm. because you're not even involved. You're just like in a ride at Disneyland mm -hmm. and the car is driving. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that will happen? I, I do. I believe it will, but I think it's it's farther out than some people are predicting. I'm not smart enough to say it's going to be you know 14 years from now, uh, but I think when you look at all the enabling things that are happening, and I think uh, to to make sure. It's what people want, and, and customers go along with it. I think you'll get it in bits. It will be a journey, not a we're here and then we're here. Okay, we're going to do questions. Please uh, line up at the mics. But I have one more question for you because we had Jeff Williams from Apple. Mm -hmm. He did not say they're building a car, but he said something about a car. Um, do, you, do you think Apple is going to build a car, and do you think they're capable of building a car? I don't know if you use any of their products, but there you go. Oh, there you go. So they do some nice products that you yeah, use, yeah, apparently. Exactly. Does that make them capable of building a car? 
Well, first of all, I have to say, you know, working with Apple has been outstanding uh, on Apple CarPlay. I mean, I think, again, the, the learning and valuing their expertise and then our, the knowledge that we bring. Uh, I, I think when you look at a vehicle, uh, for instance, I'll answer by example. A chief engineer of a vehicle who totally understands the vehicle to make all the decisions and really is responsible, say, for the next generation Camaro, that is a person who's worked uh, you know, is done many subsystems and is, you know, probably 15 years plus of, of having that experience because a lot with vehicles are the integration, the amount of code, the amount of sensors and pulling that all together. Uh, I think there's many uh, tech companies that are very impressive, so to say never. I think it's going to be their decision on what they want to do. Um, you know, I, I, when I talk about the competition, I talk about traditional OEMs, and there's a whole, um, a lot well, of other Tesla. companies. Exactly. What so do you think about Tesla? I, I think it's, a, it's an impressive vehicle and an impressive company. And that's all you want to say about it? No, I, 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 again, I think it, it points to if somebody wants to do that, I think there's a, a lot of learning. I mean, if you look at Tesla, there was a lot of experienced engineers that were hired by Tesla to, to put that vehicle on the road. I think it's an impressive vehicle. Okay. Uh, why don't we start over here? Uh, you know, I'll follow up a little bit more on the Tesla question. I, I'm a Buy American guy, and I've got two GM cars in the garage. Thank but, you. Uh, but that uh, Tesla Model X is looking good against my 12-mile-a-gallon uh, Buick Enclave. Uh, they are, you're 30 to 40 times larger than them in sales, but their market cap is half of yours. Uh, it's an incredible story. I'm wondering, have you driven to Tesla? Can you just tell us a little bit more about what you think is great about it, presuming that you do? I have driven. I have driven one, um, and and I think uh, first of all, it's new. Um, you know, bringing technology. I mean, if you look at it, it, it's something that's new. And I've talked to a lot of Tesla owners, and so have you driven one? So you know, I'd, I'd be interested in what you think, because frankly, what you think is more important than what I think between your Buick uh, and Enclave and and the Tesla. Uh, you know, two different total segments of the market. Well, it's two things, and I think the important thing is less for you guys the drivetrain and, and the wonderfulness of not being addicted to foreign oil, I suppose. But, uh, but the sports car is super powerful, so is my Cadillac. The Model S, it's the electronics. I think it's all of Walt's uh, questions originally. It's that you want uh, your phone, your navigation, and you want your choice of navigation, sometimes on Waze, sometimes on Google Maps. You want your music, you want your messaging. Mm -hmm. And that integration is what they did in that beautiful display so well, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to you know, wonderful uh, drivetrain, battery power, and the like. So I, right. I look at the, at the ELR, uh, is that right, for the Cadillac, mm -hmm. um, as possibly my next Cadillac, mm -hmm. though I am still under 50. Uh, and, now, now. <laughs> but that, you know, again, that, that it's the combination of the, electro the seamless electronics uh, as well as the drivetrain. I think that's really important. Right. So just talk real quickly about the two. You know, when you talk about the, the propulsion, um, you know, we, we have the, the Volt, 
uh, and now the next generation Volt, where we you know, really have taken out range anxiety, but are really moving up and you know, how many uh, uh, electric miles are driven. And we just announced that we'll be doing the Bolt, which you know, from a price point is really you know, democratizing electric vehicles, uh, especially when you're starting to approach a 200 mile range. So we're very excited to get the Volt EV out because we think you know, from, a, from a drivetrain, from a propulsion perspective, important. Uh, you know, when I look at the announcement that I made today with uh, what we're doing with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, to really have that seamless integration of your phone that you know you live your life uh, with and and have that and have the right functions, um, but also do it in a way that we really you know there's decisions General Motors has made with our products to say yes we could enable that but we're not going to because of the safety piece of that. There's some different decisions and you know frankly a different focus that we have, uh, but that integration of for what. Um, you know, what the customer needs to do, wants to do, and the freedom to use whichever system, we're working hard to enable that as quickly as we can. Thanks. Yes. Uh, question here. Uh, you touched upon some of it in your interview, but Uber doesn't want you to own the car. Uh, Google doesn't want you to drive the car, and Tesla wants you to drive the best car. And one of the VCs who's here uh, pronounced the death of the auto nation. Uh, do you see in the next five to ten years a growth problem for automobile in developed countries given the urbanization and, and millennials not, not wanting cars? Uh, what is General Motors' view of next five to ten years in, in automobile growth? Well, first of all, people are still going to need to get from point A, B from point A to point B. How they do it, how they're propelled, what's the ownership model, uh, all of those things are, I think, are subject to change. I don't think it'll be one solution. I think it'll be uh, a portfolio of solutions. And we have a lot of pilots going on around the world. Uh, you know, we're announcing this week that we're piloting uh, NV2, which is a, 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 you know, a very small two-passenger type of electric um, uh, vehicle that transports you. Generally, it's a last mile or last couple miles in a city. Uh, so there, I think there's going to be a lot of change to your point, and uh, you know, I'd say the pilots we're doing and the experiments we have running around the globe, we plan on being a major part of that, but recognizing significant change will occur. Uh, we don't have much time, but yeah. maybe a couple more. Hi, Mary. Just want to say the CTS uh, is just truly outstanding after test driving it. One of the areas I'd like to see some improvement is on the connected car, the apps, which have been delayed a couple of times according to my CEOs who are partnering with GM. And I'm wondering as a change agent if you can talk a little bit about what you can do to enable your teams to speed up the pace of decision making to Silicon Valley standards. Well, I think one of the ways is to make sure we're partnering. So I think what we announced today is a key, uh, key piece of it in that learning. We've also brought in a tremendous amount of resources from the consumer electronics industry from Silicon Valley. We have an office here. We're also tapping into resources from the Toronto area that you know, have a lot of software expertise as well. So it's bringing in the resources, as opposed to teaching necessarily, it's bringing in the resources and the know-how and then putting the right partnerships together. Neelai. Hey, so we, uh, The Verge, Neil from The Verge, we just launched a big tra transportation channel uh, on our tech site because we discovered that we ended up writing about cars so much lately. And every time we use Android Auto or CarPlay, what, we, what everybody who uses it says to me is, it's obviously sandboxed, right? There's the car maker's screens, and then you push a button and you go to Apple screen or Google screen, and consumers prefer Apple stuff and Google stuff. That's why they had to do CarPlay and Android Auto. 
how do you break down that sandbox? Are you ever going to give the whole thing to Apple? Are you going to let them do HVAC? Are you going to let them move the seats around? Where's the line? Well, I think right now the line is, uh, I think we've agreed upon the line, but uh, you know, I think when you really look in the future for what the customer wants, they're going to want seamless integration. I think the key thing that we need to make sure is that we do that safely, uh, not only from a driver distracted perspective, but from a, uh, a cyber perspective and just you know, making sure that the systems, it's a very complicated um, uh, you know, system in the vehicle when you look at it. I mean, no one's saying I want my, I mean, my iPhone into a, in an airplane, but when you look at the amount of, of complexity, uh, it's, it's reaching those levels. So we're going to look to make it as seamless as we can for the customer as quickly as we can uh, with features, but doing it safely is the override so, default. But the point is, as long as you can do it safely, you are going to break down that sandbox because I said I'm going to no, do it in an integrated fashion. To who? Well, there's no reason your your iPhone controls all kinds of things in your house now. If you wanted to, mm -hmm. you know the lights, the the thermostat, everything else. Why shouldn't be able to? Why shouldn't there be able to be an icon on there that they design because they're in the business of designing this stuff? I think one of the that big, moves the seat forward. But I think That's there's pretty trivial, right? Well, but I think when you look at uh, again, it's, it's it's setting up of how the electrical architecture is in the vehicle. I'm an electrical engineer by degree. I've, I've coded, uh, you know, in uh, in the in, or in the 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 car. Um, you have to understand there's much more integration between systems in the vehicle than people understand and. You know, for anybody who's coded, you think you're doing one thing in this part of the code, and it can have an unintended consequence I get, here. I get so, it. That you have to be yeah. careful. I'm right. just trying to mm -hmm. close the loop a little bit mm -hmm. to make sure I understood you correctly when you right. answered that question. Mm -hmm. That this will gradually happen. But I think you're saying it's gradually going to happen uh, where it's, it's I'm, I'm saying it, we're going to integrate. There's a multitude of ways we can do that. We're going to be focused on the customer, but how much of it is done by controls on the phone, how much of it is done by you know controls that we do, I think there's still a lot of open space there. Uh, but it'll be focused on the customer. Every customer I know thinks the interface of their phone is better. better than the interface on their car. I, I don't think there's a close call there. I want, the very last question goes to Don Graham. Ms. Barrett, one beloved uh, GM innovation some years ago was OnStar, and what do the Apple and Google deals you've announced this morning mean for the future of it, and how is OnStar technology going to change in the next couple of years? Well, OnStar technology has already changed dramatically. Last year, we rolled out 4G LTE across um, you know, <coughs> dozens of models in the United States. We're now launching that in Europe and China. To really in creating that hotspot and that pipe, which I think we're just in the infancy. The other gentleman over here mentioned the apps. We, we're still scratching the surface because when you really appropriately access the data that exists in the car, uh, you know, we're working on technologies where we can predict, uh, you know, when something's wearing um, and have you, you know, know and take care of it before it occurs. So we're just scratching the surface on all the data that's available in the car and how to best use that. OnStar's in the middle of that, and OnStar's in the middle of the partnership with Google and Apple. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Barr. Thank you.